Hope is the thing with feathers. Hope is the thing with feathers. That's like a bird. Like a bird. That perches in the soul. That perches in the soul. Welcome to the Thing with Feathers podcast, a podcast about birds and hope. I'm your host, birding enthusiast, Courtney Ellis. Welcome to the very first episode of the Thing with Feathers podcast. I'm Courtney Ellis, and I am here today with my very patient but very non-birding spouse, Daryl. He's here to help us do a little introductory, kind of a preview episode. Daryl, thank you for putting up with me. Hey, everyone. So happy to be here. Happy to put up with you, Courtney. (laughs) We um, we have been married for 16 years now, and I was not a birder when we first got married. And I think part of marriage is finding ways to love the thing your spouse loves, even if it's not your thing, delighting in what they delight in. So Daryl is a systematic theologian by trade. We are both pastors. We serve a Presbyterian church together. And we've had a lot of days where Daryl has read me long passages from hardback theology books. And this is payback, Daryl. Got it. So we are here in Southern California. We have a whole host of birds that are unique to Southern California at certain times of the year. And we are going to talk about California birds. We are going to talk about national birds. We are going to talk about international birds on this podcast. And one of my deep joys is the opportunity to talk to birding experts but also to talk to people who are not experts in birding. They're not scientists or ornithologists, but they just love birds because I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm a little obsessed with this, this birding passion, but I am not an expert. And so I am so delighted to learn along with our listeners on this podcast to have folks who love birds spend an hour on zoom with me and to be able to share those stories with all of you. To be honest, I thought it was one of those things that you would take up for like two months and then pick something else. And then you wrote a book about it and then you started a podcast. And now I'm starting to think maybe this thing's going to stick around for a while. I'm I'm here to tell you, Daryl. I think this one, you're I not, think this one is permanent. You're not going to get to the bottom of the, the bird interest, you don't think? <laughs> there was this beautiful episode of This American Life a few years back where Ira Glass was interviewing this this famous birder named Noah Stryker and and he said he was taking folks on these tours of penguin colonies and they would wake up on day five and kind of have this look in their eye like, okay, what are we doing today? And he'd say, well, we're going to visit another penguin colony. And they would have this look like they were kind of penguined out. And he's like, I've never gotten penguined out. I don't know what that's like. Mm-hmm. I still, I still have not yet forgiven you speaking of this American life birds is my favorite. This American life episode is called the feather thief. And it's all about someone who, stole a whole bunch of bird feathers because they're so beautiful and it's a hilarious story and you still don't like that episode and then i don't understand that it's about fly (laughs) fishing the only thing i like about birding in media and you don't like it (laughs) we'll we'll find our way i I believe i believe we can find our way I, I think one of the things about birding that really gets me and and makes me think it will end up being a lifelong passion for me is that 
no matter where you're at, no matter what season of life you're in, there's something for you in birding. And often when people get started, it's the, it's the thrill of the chase. You, you have all of these birds you've never seen before, and you want to fill out your life list and see how many different species and varieties you can see. And then there are seasons of lots of hikes and lots of excursions. There's driving around to see new birds. But even when you may struggle with mobility or it may be a really busy season in your life and all you can do is look out your window, there's something for you in in birding. I was I was recently reading a a, a book by uh by Graham Gibson called The Bedside Book of Birds. It was it was gifted to me. And and Graham Gibson is a novelist, but he was also a birder. He he died recently. His his partner was Margaret Atwood, and she wrote the the foreword. And she wrote about how late in his life he was struggling with his memory and struggling with dementia. And so she'd sit him in front of the window so he could overlook the backyard. And one point he remarked to her, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he 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 said something like, I, I don't know their names anymore, but they don't know mine either. And just this beautiful delight that he didn't know if it was a house finch or a or a song sparrow, but he could enjoy them nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And it had always been that way for the birds. Right. The birds never knew that that was Graham Gibson. Big mm-hmm. deal novelist. The birds didn't know. So when and if, Daryl, if you outlive me and if I'm struggling with my memory, just park me in front of a decent window. Perfect. Will do. You know, we, we've been married 16 years and you talk about the end of life and we have plans that, mm. you know, if Daryl is the one who's failing before I am, my job is to make sure there is the West Wing running on a loop. Yeah, I will come into heaven with the West Wing on soundtrack. It is my, it, it is a symbol of home in a way that I think birds are a symbol of home and hope for you. They are. They are for sure. We we found our worlds collide. We celebrated our 16th anniversary recently by going to see uh, the Aaron Sorkin adaptation. Aaron Sorkin is the the writer of the West Wing of Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, which talks about blue jays and it talks about mockingbirds. And it was really our perfect our perfect date night. It's a nice splendid space. Yeah, I mean, I love Aaron Sorkin because it's you know he's he explores meaningful questions with intelligence, smart people, fast talking and humor. And that's like my love language. And uh, when you can throw birds in there into killing mockingbird, then it was really a fun date. It was a great night. Although we were leaving that parking garage at like 11, 15 PM and we are too old for that. We're just too old for that. <laughs> yeah, not that. We're ready for the blue plate special at 4 PM. So Daryl, you had some questions that you were going to ask me. Normally I'm doing the interviews, but I'm going to, be the interview, give, give you uh, a few opportunities to talk about your passion and this podcast, what what you're hoping to get out of it, what you're hoping to share with your listeners and how the, how the idea came to you. So are you ready? First, I want you to be honest. Are you excited about this podcast because you can see how much joy it's bringing me or because now I will have other people to talk to about birds and maybe I'll talk to you about birds less. Well, totally both of them. I love that it brings you joy and I love that you can direct that joy towards other people and other interests and I can be alongside you, but not with you all the time. We go on dates sometimes and Daryl will say, you get three bird facts and then we're going to move on to other things. I love you. I love your passion. Three bird facts. Well, and I get it. I get it. Like I can catch a glimpse of like, there are birds everywhere and you can zoom in on the, the adventure and beauty of birds. And so I get that. But then for me, there's also the sense of like, you are focusing only on the bird and there's still the rest of the world going on. And so we got to go back and forth. 
in terms of where we focus. And then you okay. you make up names like, oh, what was it in the tree? A red-breasted hoosley doot. We got to work on that, girl. <laughs> yeah, and about 50% of the time, it's actually the word they use in naming birds. There's no hoosley doot. There's no hoosley doot, but yeah, I've heard similar names for sure. A red-toed, red-crested, yellow-tailed. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a believer that eventually you'll cross over to my side of things. Mm, I don't think so. But I am so happy. I, I do appreciate both what it does in you. And this is why I do like, I like the idea of this podcast is, is even if the, ob- it's not just about birds, that birding has a connection to the kind of person we become and the things we notice in creation and the kind of virtues that God sows in it through the, spe- the, the practices that birding encourages. I see that. I totally love that. I love that, what that's done in you and the joy it sows in living and seeing and noticing and discovering uh, that stuff is contagious in the best way. So I totally celebrate that. And I love that you mix that into the podcast that it is, it is not just a bird trivia podcast. It's about hope and it's about the linking together of the journey of birding with the experience of hope in our world that, that really needs hope for sure. Absolutely. All right. Hit me. Okay, Bring first it on. Question. First question. Uh, Courtney, I love you. You probably know that. I love how much birds delight you, but I'll admit, I don't really get it always. So what is it about birds? Like zoom in, give us your, give us your elevator speech about birds. Birds are amazing. In many ways, birds are the most easily observable facet of the natural world that isn't a plant. Um, It can be tricky to see insects. They're small, large, large mammals are, are, not as um, ubiquitous as as birds are, but birds are everywhere. If you look out your window, if you sit in your backyard, if you go to the local park, odds are you will see birds and not just one species of birds. So there's such incredible variety. There's such incredible biodiversity. There's diversity in their songs, in their calls, in their plumage. It, it, It feels like, it feels a little bit like walking into a library and thinking, oh my goodness, there is so much to discover here. Where do I even begin? I love that the entry into birding, the bar is so low. It's just walk outside and look up. What do you notice? What do you hear? I've been so delighted that the world of birding is filled with just generous people who are so delighted that you are getting into birding too. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the academic world, in the theological world, in the world mm. of seminary, and often there's this kind of attitude that goes with it of like, oh, you haven't read so-and-so. Oh, you're not a hoity-toity. Yes, yeah, and sure. the world of birding isn't that. I, I remember a few months back, I sent a photo of a hawk to a friend who's a birder, and I said, look at this beautiful Cooper's hawk. And she didn't say, you moron, that's obviously not a Cooper's hawk. It was not a Cooper's hawk. She Instead, she said, you know, I think that might be... And it was this wonderful invitation into learning more. And it was so gentle and it was so gracious. And birders as a whole are this just kind of quirky, funny, and this is generalizing because there are as many different types of birders as there are types of people. But I've been so delighted at the low bar for entry and just the expansiveness of grace within the birding community. Come and learn more. Let's talk about bird feeders. Let's talk about migration. Let's learn together. And I've also been just so delighted by the joy that birders feel in doing the work that they do. Lay birders, professional ornithologists, they have this 
infectious joy in wanting to share about what they've discovered in the natural world. And often that has ties to things of faith. Part of this podcast is I'm interviewing birding experts, biologists, ornithologists, ecologists. And sometimes those are people of faith. Sometimes they share my faith. Sometimes they they are part of a different faith or they consider themselves atheists or agnostics. But there's this shared delight in birds. And I'm also interviewing folks who are people of faith and they may be authors or poets or pastors or illustrators. Um, one is a, an astrophysicist, but birding is their hobby. And so how their Christian faith influences their delight in the natural world and how birding has deepened that. That is a very long answer to a very short question, but it it has just been such a journey of discovery what else haven't I noticed? I've never, I only recently, only the past two years started noticing birds. What else haven't I noticed? What other worlds are going on around me? What other delights has God set before me that I've just been blindly walking by for my entire life? Yeah, I, I totally appreciate a lot about the answer. I, I'd echo that um, the birding community creates lovely people. Uh, lovely is like the perfect word to describe many of the people in the birding community that I've met and interfaced with, they're lovely. It makes me think of a theological insight from St. Augustine that when people love the same thing together, there are commonalities that get shared in the way that we are formed as people. And so more than birds, I do love the way in which people's love in the birding community for birds forms them into common, lovely people. Um, and that is of interest to me and it is beautiful. And I'm glad you appreciate that too. It, it has been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful discovery. Just recently, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a snowy owl in Southern California. And if you're not a birder, you may think, okay, so there's a snowy owl in Southern California. If you are a birder, you may know how incredibly rare that is. A snowy owl has not been seen in Southern California for at least a hundred years. We don't know how it got here. People think maybe it hitched a ride on a shipping container and landed in San Pedro, something like that. Anyway, in Cypress, California, right, right next to Anaheim, right next to Disneyland, there was this snowy owl perched on the roof of a house and people were uh, birders <laughs> and, and people in general were so excited by this owl. They were driving to see it and... I woke up on a Sunday afternoon after, you know, we'd, we'd led worship and we're, we're pretty tired. And I, I woke up from my Sunday afternoon nap and said, Daryl, I think the owl is still there. Can I go and see it? Well, and we've been sick for two weeks. You're like, well, it was my one time to see the owl, but we're sick. And we're all, the sun came out and we're, we weren't sick anymore. And you're like, it's still there. I gotta do it today. So I, I was so glad you got to see it. I'm watching this owl on all my birding apps thinking there's no way it's still get, we had the flu, we had bronchitis, we couldn't go anywhere. We didn't want to get anyone else sick. And I'm thinking I will never have this opportunity again. And and it was still there. And it was so amazing because I pulled into this neighborhood and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. The sun is going to go down in 45 minutes. When the sun goes down, that owl flies away to do its evening hunt. I'm not going to see it. And then Daryl was in touch with me and, and texting. He's like, how's it going? And I said, I think I found it. And I send him a picture of 40 birders and photographers and all their vests lined up on the street. And I hadn't seen the owl yet, but I was pretty sure I knew where it might be. The hats, the cameras, the vests were all very similar. I'm sure they were nearby. Um, I love that part of the story that, again, to the, to, to the point of just the, the beauty of the community is they were all there. They were all being respectful. And then it elicited from ho like homeowners, like, hey, the owl's in our backyard. Feel free to come back. And so you have 
30 random people going into a neighbor's backyard. And that's, that's neighborliness. That's really beautiful. One of the neighbors had put up a sign, the owls in the yard, come around back and just open the gate. And so people are standing in that backyard and there were kids and there were older folks and there were people of different races and different ages and, you know, purple hair and gray hair and blonde hair. And and to see all these people united was such a beautiful thing. I, I was standing back there. I was sharing my binoculars with a couple of kids and and this this older woman came and and she was just standing there and looking and she didn't have binoculars and I said do you want to do you want to borrow my binoculars and she said oh no no that's that's kind of you and then we stood there together in silence for a few minutes and then she said you know oh, two weeks ago when this owl came to the neighborhood it it came to my house first it landed on my house first and I was like oh this is amazing like tell me about that what was that like and she said honestly I woke up I walked out my front door. And there were 200 photographers and people with binoculars standing, standing on my front sidewalk. And I thought, oh, no, there's been a murder. (laughs) Oh, no, someone's died. And she's like, this was way better. This was so exciting to have this owl in my house. And she said, you know, now I try to walk the neighborhood every day because it moves from house to house and it's not on my house anymore. I try to I try to make sure I check in and see how the owl is doing. I didn't get her name, but she was so so lovely. She was lovely. There's that word again. So Courtney, why this podcast? Why this particular podcast? Well, um, selfishly, I just want to talk to a lot of birders uh, because that is fun for me. But more than that, I think there is a real hunger for for hope right now in our world. And birding is one of the places where I find hope. And I think to be able to tell the stories of how people are connecting with hope through their love of the natural world I think there there is a need for that. And so to tell the stories, and when I talk to people of faith, to tell the stories of what they've seen God do, and when I talk to people who are not people of faith, to tell the stories of beauty within the created world, even in the midst of some real concerns with conservation, some real concerns with climate change, it's very hard to be a birder and not be almost constantly in touch with grief. Because you notice things about the seasons, about how things are changing, about that there, you know, there's avian flu going through Southern California right now, and you you'll see a lot of dead birds, and and so it is very easy to marinate in the hard things, the sad things, um, but there are other stories that also need to be told, and that's what this podcast is is going to do. I love that. I love that theme of, of where you see grief. I will say though that the most frequent grief I hear from you from burning is, oh my goodness, the orange-breasted footed toe feather was here yesterday on migration and I missed it. It'll be a whole year. Yeah, that's the grief I hear from you. I do think birders should be exempt from going to work for a couple of weeks during yeah. spring migration. Yeah it's, yeah, it's not that much to ask, of course. It's only right. Right. Paid birding time. Exactly. Um, so is this a birding podcast or a hope podcast? I heard you. I heard you talk about both of them. Yeah, it's going to be both. That's my that is my hope. There's there's the word again is that there there is a crossover between both of those worlds. So to talk to ornithologists and ecologists about their hope for the natural world and many of them are professors. They've talked a lot. I've done some interviews. We're we're recording this after I I've I've already set up some of the podcasts to to go over the next weeks, but they talk about the hope they see in their students and in learning and in um you know some of the progress that's that's been made in in conservation um and also talking to people of faith about hope. So my hope is there's a good crossover audience there. A friend on Twitter was like, Christianity and birding, this is, this is my niche. This is my, this is my thing. Um, but it is, it is absolutely not a podcast just for Christians or people of faith. And it's not a podcast just for birders. I think many of us can find, find a middle place there because 
hope is something for all of us. And yeah. birds, Daryl, are something for all of us, yeah. whether or not you agree. Noted, noted. Um, along a similar lines, one of my favorite things about the way that you've designed the podcast is that the people you're having on are not just bird es- experts. Um, I do think we have enough uh, podcasts, but it's like, you know, let's bring in the expert to talk about this. That's fine. We do need to hear from experts, but I do really like that you're bringing in people who are, they're actually experts in other things. So, um, but, and they also love birding and that particular mix of really smart people who do other really wonderful things. And somehow there's this hobby overlap in their personality and interests. That's a great angle. And I'm glad you're doing that too. I, th- I think there are different ways to learn about things. And many of those ways are scientific. You count the wing beats and you count the, you know, the number of males and females and how many eggs were laid. And you compare that year to year. But also you you learn different things when you approach birds as as an illustrator or as a poet or as a songwriter. And I think that is part of the the layering of this podcast is that you can learn a lot about birds scientifically through various um, methods and means. And those are incredibly important and valuable and fascinating. But you can also learn a lot about birds if you draw birds. You can learn a lot about birds if you're a, a birding hobbyist and your background in theology influences the way you see birds and talk about birds. So I think in having guests who are experts in other fields but love birds, we will actually end up learning more about birds in in different layers. For sure. Exactly. Uh, so, okay. So you've recently started doing this thing on Twitter. That's, uh, you're, you're actually very good at Twitter, by the way. This was very clever. When you started Twitter's doing my this. favorite. I'm on Twitter uh, too much. Pretty sure you came out of the womb tweeting. It's just, it's like <laughs> the way you think and write. Um, so you started doing this thing that's kind of taking off called badly drawn birds. You draw birds for people. They're badly drawn and it seems to bring this burst of happiness to lots of people. So what is it about badly drawn birds that's so much fun for you and that also brings this burst of happiness to other people? I love Twitter. Twitter Twitter has its, you know, drawbacks for sure. Um, but one of the fun things about Twitter is it's like walking into this room full of full of people and just announcing things like, hey, this is what's happening, you know, and in birding Twitter, it's often people who take these beautiful photographs. I'm not a photographer, but to scroll through Twitter and see birds in China and birds in Rwanda that I will likely never see in the wild in these beautiful, beautiful pictures. But I, I have started doing badly drawn birds on Twitter because it's a way to build community. And I'll just say, okay, for the next half hour, for the next hour, leave me a comment and I will badly draw a bird for you. And so people leave comments and I draw a bird for Amy and I draw a bird for Kirk and I draw a bird and there's no rhyme or reason to it. I don't look at people's profile pictures and think, oh, I will draw you as an owl. I just, whatever the bird is in my mind, they're all terrible. None of them are, none of them are great works of art, but it's this way of building community. And then I write the person's name on the bird. So they know it's for them that they've been seen, that they've been named, that they've been noticed. And for me, that is what so much of birding is, is to, to notice and to name and to love. And so um, Twitter Twitter is just a, a fun little thing to do. We'll keep doing badly drawn birds because it does seem to bring a lot of joy and community. And then folks meet each other too, right? Like, oh, I got an owl. What did you get? You got, you got a heron. It's it's just silly, but it's it's fun. I do love, I love the glimpse into your mind. Like I, I find it absolutely unbelievable the way that you 
not only can draw birds, but they're all different. And it's, and it's not like you're like emulating some bird, like that you have, they're cartoon birds and you have this like endless diversity of birds that just come out of your mind. And it tells me something about your creativity, your childhood. Um, it's fascinating to watch. My mom is very artistic and that was a, a beautiful gift she passed on to me. Both the, I, I'm not an artist. Um, my mom is much more artistic than I am, but the opportunity and the permission to just do things badly as you learn, like be creative and make a little bit of a mess. So uh, it works because I'm not worried about the birds being perfect and they really are not. Someone asked me to draw them as big bird and it was, it was atrocious. We just, you know, but that's part of the fun. I think it's interesting that if you're actually asked to like draw a particular bird, I've noticed this, like it doesn't happen, but if you're asked to draw any random bird, it's like a pretty compelling cartoon bird. That's funny. So I, that's an interesting part of you. So, but I'm glad it brings joy. I'm glad it brings you joy. And I like that you write people's names on it. It is personal. And I think that connects with people. Who are you most excited to speak with on the podcast? Oh my goodness. I, I have been amazed at, at, how many folks have said yes to being on this podcast? Who has said yes to being on this podcast? I I don't think I could say who I'm most excited to have because everyone is bringing something so unique and so different. A number of folks I've asked have said, you know, I'm not a celebrity. Do you really want me on your podcast? And like, yes, I do, because you're a small town pastor who's working in raptor rehabilitation. That's fascinating. You have a story to share. I don't need... You know, I, I have some big names in birding who are coming on the podcast and uh, you're just going to have to wait and see who that is. And I have some big names within the world of Christianity who are hobby birders who are going to come on the podcast. But honestly, when I set up for an interview, there is not a, oh, this person is the most exciting to me. I am genuinely delighted by every single one. And I'm genuinely surprised that all of these folks are willing to give me a precious hour of their time to come talk about birds and hope. It has been so much fun. So, um, they, they are all fantastic and they are all bringing wisdom. And, um, I think one of the things that I so appreciate, yeah, you and I are, are Presbyterians and we're in the PCUSA, which is kind of this big tent of faith, um, is that we, we teach that all truth is God's truth. So if you can learn something about a sparrow from a brilliant professor who happens to be agnostic, like that is, part of the truth of the created world. And, and there are things that we have to learn from every single person who's coming on this podcast. So some are people of faith and some aren't, and they are all completely amazing and wise and delightful. One of the other things I have loved is so many of my guests at some point during the interview will break out into an impression of a bird call. I don't ask them to do it. They'll just so say, good. you know, like the, like the so-and-so, and then they make the noise. Those are my favorite moments. <laughs> I have been delighted by the rich diversity of people that, and especially it's the, it's the mashup of, of Daryl, it's a pastor who also does a raptor rehabilitation. And my, my internal response has now become, well, of course you did. I mean, this is just what is happening. Like our, our you, son was disappointed. It wasn't velociraptor rehabilitation. I have not yet <laughs> talked to one of those people. <laughs> velociraptor. No, but yeah, like if you can imagine a more, per it'd be hard to imagine a more perfect friend for you than a pastor who also does raptor rehabilitation. So yes, I'm glad you found that person and look forward to hearing from them. Um, okay, last year during the season of Lent, you invited folks to join you in looking for a bird 
from the Lord. Are you planning to do that again this coming Lent? I am. I have to give credit where credit's due. I have a friend on Twitter. Uh, he'll be on the podcast. His name is Paul Wallace. He is a, a physics professor and he's an author and he's a birder and he's a photographer. Um, but for a long time on Twitter, he would talk about going outside and asking for a bird from the Lord as a spiritual practice to just sit and be still and wait and see what God would bring to him. And I I had the idea to do this as sort of a Lenten, Lenten practice to invite people in on 10 minutes of quiet prayerful birding. If you're a person of faith, you can invite God into that. If you're not, there are things to be gained from sitting quietly and looking for birds. And I asked Paul, you know, can I, can I steal your phrase? Can I borrow your phrase? And he said, absolutely, absolutely take it. So we hashtagged it a bird from the Lord. And it was so much fun. It ended up being this, this ecumenical birding exercise. We were joined by a rabbi and Catholics and Anglicans and Baptists and um, folks who, who consider themselves you know, not people of faith, but they love birds. And and we would share photos. There's this great, great photo of someone who got their, their, their cat got out. Keep your cats indoors. This is a, this is a good birding practice. Keep your cats indoors. Their cat <laughs> Dis, got out. Dis, dislike of cats is one of the most hilarious universal birding characteristics. We love cats. You just have to keep them inside. I love cats. You just have to keep them inside. Anyway, she snapped a photo of her cat like pouncing on the bird feeder and the chickadee flying away. And, you know, God protected the chickadee with the bird from the Lord. But it was so beautiful to see how many folks started out by saying, I didn't think there were many birds in my area. I, you know, it's winter in Wisconsin or, or whatever. And, um, but I sat still in silence for 10 minutes and I ended up seeing eight different birds or there was a flock of chickadees or this cardinal popped out of the brush. And I found that within my own soul too. I was busy. I was stressed. It's Lent. I'm a pastor. It's a very busy season for us. It's full with many, many things. But when I would go outside, it would never fail to renew me and remind me that that God is there, that God's eye is on the sparrow, that God's eye is on me too. Um, so we'll be doing that again. Lent starts this year. Ooh, this is quiz time. February 22nd, I believe, is Ash Wednesday. And so we will do six weeks of a bird from the Lord and everyone out there is welcome to join us. Whenever we are talking about birding and someone says the word cat, I have this whole library of Tom and Jerry cartoons that come up all of a sudden. It's like everybody all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're just talking about a cat. Oh, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's like, oh, got it. It's a threat. Okay, that's funny. If you want to get birders going, talk about cats and talk about window strikes. It's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah, you can laugh. It's very serious. It's so funny. Um I love Paul Wallace. I'm so glad that he let you take that and run with it. I'm not on Twitter as much as you are, but Paul is one of those people that I'm so glad to know from Twitter and that I, and to know that he's a person of faith and he's a he's a, he's a professor of what? Like astrophysics. astrophysics. Right. I just one of the things I like about Twitter is it has increased my interface with just really smart Christians. And they're not like professional Christians. They've just they're just really smart, delightful people who are a witness to that the world is this fascinating, joyful place. And we can, people can be living in the delight of the intelligence that God has given to us and doing incredible things with that. And, and, and also knowing those things are from God. And I think so often public professional Christians use intelligence for the sake of guilting people or arguing with people. And the world needs so so much more Christian witness of just people being delightfully intelligent and smart and winsome 
um, and knowing that those those are gifts from from Jesus and they're fun and they're from God and from the Creator. And Paul is such a great one for that. So mm. I'm glad you're yeah. having him on. He had a tweet recently where he said a friend. I'm paraphrasing, but he said a friend asked him, you know, are you still, are you still a Christian? And he said, yes. And the friend said, huh, tell me about that. And Paul said, let me show you these duck photos. And so like, good. That, totally. that's it, right? It's not, let's theologically stiff arm people into believing what we believe. It's let's, let's look up together and see, and see what's there. And I want to see yeah. those duck photos. For sure. Yeah. Come, come and see is much more effective than let me tell you, people just, that's not effective. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're living that out. And I love the bird from the Lord. It is a fun theological overlap with our interests. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God brings. Uh, what is your greatest hope for this podcast, Courtney? My greatest hope for this podcast is that it would bring the same sort of delight to people that birding brings to me. So to be able to learn from experts, I've heard from several folks as we've been kind of um, previewing and advertising that this podcast is coming out that I'm not a birder, but I'm so excited to learn. And this podcast is for those folks. And I've heard from folks, I'm I'm a birder. I've been birding for 20 years. I'm excited for this podcast. So the hope is that it will have something for everyone in those categories and that it will be a source of joy and delight. We're going to release a few episodes all at once when it starts. But after that, the podcast is going to come out on Mondays because I think Mondays are the day that we most need a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy, a little bit of delight. We're heading into a long week, many of us. And uh, so it's going to come out on Mondays as hopefully a ray of a ray of hope, something to look forward to to start off the week. A bird from the Lord, if you will. If you uh, will. If you will. Can you take us into the name of the podcast, The Thing with Feathers? Where's it from? What's its meaning? And why did you choose it for the name? Yes. So this podcast was born out of a season where I had the flu and I was stuck in bed and I was really bored. You come to the end of the internet really quickly when you're sick. You think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll rest and I'll watch some Netflix or whatever. And that just gets old really fast. And so I was laying there and thinking, you know, I would, I would love an opportunity to talk to some of these experts about birds and, you know, maybe there's a niche for this kind of podcast. And so I was, I was posting about it on Twitter about this idea, because this is, this is how I, this is how I formulate my ideas with, with all of my best friends out on Twitter. And Todd Peterson, who's a, a professor in, in Southern Utah and a novelist, he's a beautiful novel called a picnic in the ruins. Um, was like, oh, a podcast about birds and hope. You should call it The Thing with Feathers. And there's this wonderful Emily Dickinson poem that is in the public domain, so we can use it as we like. Um, and it it talks about how hope is the thing with feathers that perches in mm. the soul. Um, and so that's the little uh, tagline with the music at the beginning of the show. Um, but it is, it's this crossover of hope and birds. And if Emily Dickinson said it, then it must be true. So that is where the title comes from. And I'm so just very grateful for, for Todd and his, and his wisdom and his little Twitter comment that, that got us going on this idea. Todd is another interest, another instance of that type of person that you interface with on Twitter. Um, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, your listeners, uh, before we go on this opening pod, this opening episode of the podcast? Yeah, I would say if you are a birder hobbyist or a person of faith or a birding expert and you want to come talk to me on the podcast, send me an email and tell me a little bit about what you'd be interested in talking about and we can have that conversation because um like I said I am interviewing some, you know, quote unquote birding celebrities and quote unquote Christian celebrities, but also I think the the stories of 
ordinary people like you and like me who are working to to live out this hope and this delight and share it with others in particular beautiful ways. Um, those are stories that need to be shared. And those are stories that can bring hope and bring inspiration because, you know, not all of us will be will be celebrities. In fact, most of us won't, but we can be faithful where we're at. And those stories are really, really wonderful to tell. I, I was working on an article just this week and I got to interview um, a bunch of Christian beekeepers. And it was amazing because they were all different denominations. One was Baptist, one was Greek Orthodox, um, one was uh, non-denominational, one was Presbyterian, but they had this shared delight over their bees and the things they would notice and the things that the bees had taught them and um, that that unity in the delight of noticing and naming and learning about the birds. Um, if that's something that sparks some joy in you, then uh, then send me an email and I'd love to chat. I totally would love if there are episodes sometimes that are kind of a, this American birding life, right? So someone's just telling a birding story. Um, and so it's not, it's not an expert, it's it's a story. And that's the, the flow of those episodes. I think that's a great idea. Um, if people want to get a hold of you or they want to find out more about you, yeah, what's your, how do they get a hold of you? I'm on Twitter. Um, yeah, you can email me. Man, is that true? I'm on Twitter too much. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm Courtney Ellis, first name, last name, uh, on Twitter. Uh, my email is Courtney.b, as in boy, dot Ellis at Gmail. Um, and also in the show notes of the podcast, I'll link to all my other uh, Facebook and website and things like that. I'm easy to find. Awesome. Thank you for for uh, being my being my wingman for this inaugural episode. I'm so happy to go on this journey with you. I think it is such a great idea. I think you're going to have lots of fun. You're already having a ton of fun and cannot wait to hear the stories of, of people getting a hold of you and being a part of your podcast. It's so fun. Okay, last question that I'm asking all my guests. I'm turning the table on you. What is your favorite bird? You didn't tell me you were going to ask me this. I know you didn't uh, know there were going to be hard questions, did you? I do love that. I know they're like the most common bird, but I love our house finches in our backyard. They, I do like the stories you told me about just how common they are, but also that they, there are hot house finches, right? Like, so they, right. Am I telling that right? They're, they're, yeah. yeah. Like our backyard is their backyard. And it brings me a delight to know that, um, even though you like, you know, that's that same bird because you see you like, but like, cause you've told me, I know when I see those house finches, like they're ours and, and they saw me yesterday too. And that brings me joy. House finches tend to nest within 30 feet of where they nested the year before. Love that. So they're hanging out. And I, I need to offer you a word of thanks because you refill those bird feeders way more often than I do. So thank you on behalf of the house finches. Re- refilling is not your marital gift. It is not. It is not. Soap, toilet paper, birdseed, not your spiritual gift. I'm so sorry. At least I can get my laundry in the hamper, Daryl. I am am pretty sure that you would rather write a book than replace one toilet paper roll. I I think that might be accurate. It's okay. (laughs) The Lord's not through with me yet. We're only only 16 years into marriage. You know, we'll, we'll see where the Lord takes us. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. The Thing with Feathers is produced by me, Courtney Ellis. Many thanks to Del Belcher for the music. 
to Todd Peterson for the name inspiration, and to Emily Dickinson for the beautiful poem and for being in the public domain. Until next time, my friends, keep looking up. Put this on your soul. Yes, it does.